The fourth benefit of growing older is we have a better crap detector. Figured I'd go ahead and say it. Thanks to all these years, we have the ability to filter out who's full of it. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. We'll hear more from Chuck Swindoll in a moment. But I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined here today by our founder and CEO, Larry Fowler. Hi, Larry. Hello, Wayne. Good to be with you today. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, John Colomb, who serves as our Director of Development uh, for the Legacy Coalition. Hey, John. Hey, friends. Good to be with you. Good to have you guys uh, here. We are uh, doing our very first podcast for the Legacy Coalition. Larry, since this is our first podcast, why don't you give us kind of a brief overview of what the Legacy Coalition is all about? Well, uh, we're a pretty young ministry. We're just five years old. And, and here's what we think. We believe that most grandparents are missing important opportunities to pass on their faith to the grandchildren, Wayne. You know, um, we believe that there's incredible potential in grandparents to impact their families. Uh, future spiritually. And so we want to help that. So in the Legacy Coalition, we help them grow grandparents in their biblical role through our resources and events, with the end result being that we just really want to see grandparents have a greater spiritual impact in their yeah. grandkids. And so the Legacy Coalition was formed about five years ago. And what all do we do to help make that happen, what you're just talking yeah, about? Yeah, well, we we create resources. Uh, we have a great book called Long Distance Grandparenting, done by a good friend of mine named <laughs> Wayne Rice. <laughs> oh, that is and, and and other books and tools that grandparents can use. And then we we also do events, both online and in person, as uh, as COVID allows us to do them in person, uh, to just equip and inspire grandparents. We we do many of them in churches. We have a desire to see churches start grandparenting ministries because we believe in the local church and want to work through them as much as possible. And uh, if anybody's interested, they can find the whole thing on our website, LegacyCoalition.com. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've been been around for five years. We the First year out the gate, we did our very first national conference on Christian grandparenting, yeah. which we called the Legacy Grandparenting Summit. And... Um, and we're five years down the road, but we've only done three national conferences. I mean, they are annual. And uh, and part of that is because 2020 happened. And so we weren't able to do one last year. But we do have another one planned uh, coming up this fall. Not, not part of that, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Larry, do you think when you first uh, came up with the idea of uh, putting this whole organization together, uh, it was a podcast? part of the vision? No, it wasn't. Did you know what a podcast was? I, I, yeah, I, I think, I, I, think right. I knew what one, one was, but I don't know that at that time if I'd ever actually listened to one myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we're doing one right now. You, you know, I, we are. Years ago, I couldn't spell podcast. Now I are one, right? That's the old, <laughs> the old joke. Well, um, uh, for our very first podcast, what we thought we'd uh, do is share a highlight from one of our from that very first national conference on grandparenting, which was the 2016 
uh, Legacy Grandparenting Summit. It was held uh, in Frisco, Texas, at Stonebriar Community Church. And uh, I was there because I was running the whole thing, or at least uh, directing the uh, uh, the production. And I'll never forget the first night when uh, Pastor Chuck Swindoll, who's the pastor of Stonebriar, his wife Cynthia, and three of his young adult grandchildren came to the platform, and they shared their stories uh, with the uh, with the conference. And it, it was a moving, powerful. Uh, Something totally unexpected, I think. John, you uh, kind of missed most of the, the conference. Uh, <laughs> you were I, there, but you but you still missed the conference. What happened? Uh, well, I w- in fact, that night I watched it from the hospital room. Uh, <laughs> we had taken out a busload of folks since it was going to be at Stonebriar and Pastor Chuck had been pastor to so many of our folks. And so we were going to have some special times with both him and, and Cynthia. And folks signed up for the conference and also to see Chuck's new digs there and to have some time with him. Well, we had finished three days in the Dallas area, just showing them some of the sites. And we were getting ready to get off the bus to say goodbye to our folks, t- telling them we'll see you on Sunday in Sunday school at Stonebriar. <laughs> and Jackie, my wife, uh, waved and missed the first step and fell about seven feet down a spiral staircase from the bus to the concrete below. And I, I literally thought I had lost her. Uh, she was yeah. unconscious, bleeding. And um, so we, we headed over. We were in Fort Worth at the time. And we headed over to the hospital via the ambulance. And we stayed there for seven days. I was able to come one night. Someone came <laughs> pick me up just for the evening session and and for a little barbecue that Chuck had put on for all of our folks. But yeah, that began a, a four-year journey for us that, you know, God has shown himself so faithful, but it's been really very uh, challenging, but it's been good for our spirits, I'll tell you, even though it's been bad for our health. <laughs> well, Jackie's uh, doing much better. So She is. We it's, are it's so... Good to know that she... So yeah, that that wasn't uh, much worse, but um, we had a we had a great conference, and we caught uh, pretty much all of it on uh, on recordings, on tape, and some of it uh, on video. And so we are going to um, uh, just play a little segment now. Uh, John, you worked with Chuck Swindoll for quite a few years, didn't you? Yeah, we we came to the church in 1988, so we worked with Chuck for uh, six years. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and then he moved uh moved to, to, to Dallas uh, Seminary. Yeah. 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 So uh uh when uh Chuck uh, came to the platform, he brought his whole family with us and then they uh then Chuck wrapped up the evening after uh Cynthia his wife had spoken and his three grandkids. Um Chuck wrapped up with just a short uh, I think it was a four-point uh message on grandparenting. And uh, we heard a little excerpt from that message at the top of the podcast. We're going to listen to the rest of it right now. So here he is from the 2016 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. Here is Chuck Swindoll. Why uh, do we treasure this relationship? Why do we consider it uh, among the all-important in the lists of our lives? Um, Let me see if I can wrap it up with 
kind of a four, three, two, one outline. Uh, this will kind of get us into it and help you wrap this in your mind. Four. Uh, I, I put it in my notes, four benefits of growing older. Number one, we can see so much better having grown older. I don't mean eyesight, I mean perspective. It isn't narrow and it isn't limited. We are not so quick to react as when we were young. Our intuition is keener, our insights are deeper, and our ability to see beyond the immediate is greater. How helpful it is to pass that kind of seasoned perspective onto grandchildren like this. Number two, We've lived long enough to replace knowledge with wisdom. Never doubt that. Most of you here tonight are much wiser than you've ever been in your life. Don't keep it. Give it away. Don't be reluctant. Let it out. Speak your mind. Tell them the truth. They will love you for it. There's a major reason grandchildren want to be with us. And by that, I mean all of us. Uh, We may not know how to transfer pictures from our smartphone to our computer. (laughs) Or to enlarge our font. They'll, They'll help you with all that. But you've got what they long for. How to think deeper. And how to mine truth. They don't know how to do that. You do. Third benefit of growing older is we're not afraid of anybody. Titles don't turn our heads. Rich people don't make us envious. Powerful people don't intimidate us. In fact, many of them turn us off. We know how to stand alone when it's necessary. Grandkids know little of the above. They long to know. So let's show them how they can cultivate it. Let's help them see the value of standing tall, being in the minority not following the crowd. Let's tell them our stories, including our failures, and how we learn those lessons. The fourth benefit of growing older is we have a better crap detector. (laughs) Figured I'd go ahead and say it. Thanks to all these years, we have the ability to filter out who's full of it. We know better how to sh- what to shrug off and who to trust. We don't leap into decisions. 
Grandkids don't and can't know those things. So warn them. Tell them. They may not ask you to tell them. Tell them anyway. <laughs> Help them see the danger of impulsive decisions. And believing too quickly in someone's promises. Spell out how to filter out the crap. Because they don't know how to do it. And they're surrounded by it. So help them know how to do it on their own. I learned more about standing alone by seeing my father drive into the driveway with the front windshield of his car broken by a brick and by the blood that was running down his face because he had crossed the picket line. I didn't know what picket lines were and I didn't know what stuff he was dealing with was or why had been written on his car, our car, in paint, scab. And he told me that what he had gone through was because of his family. He said he simply needs to feed us in the family. I learned later what he had endured. So much goes comes with aging. Don't keep it. Remember, it's a relay. Hand it off. Tell them why. Explain how. Now, three. Three wonderful reasons grandchildren are valuable. First, they love us and accept us just as we are. One of the greatest things about grandchildren. Kids don't. Grandkids do. In fact, they point out, and you've heard all three of them say tonight, never knew they were going to say it, how much we love them. They're easy to love. And they just tell us the truth. One of my treasured little notes hangs on my lamp in my study, and it hangs right below Heather's picture. And it says, Bubba, you are the most anal person I've ever known. <laughs> and then right under the sweet note, I love you, Heather. <laughs> when you're a grandparent, you don't have to lose weight. You don't have to win the Nobel Peace Prize. You don't have to swim the English Channel. You don't have to wear torn jeans to look like you're young. You look dumb in torn jeans. You, you don't have to quit snoring during the ball game or stop belching after supper or stay in your lane when you're driving. It's okay. They love us and accept us just like we are. Number two. They remember what's important, and they often express their gratitude for it. Each one of our ten grandchildren has a reservoir packed full of memories. Memories I really don't even know about. But they're memories of us as we really are. They never forget what we do for them. 
But one of our families will never forget that we rescued. And as Cynthia put it before she initiated it, there is no other choice. And so we rescued him. They never will forget it. We became the wind beneath their wings. What an honor. Third, they provide the opportunity for us to tell them what great parents they have. Think about it. Cynthia and I have always believed that one of the reasons we are grandparents is to help our grandkids know when it is true, and it is now with all of them, what great parents they've got and why. And and when they don't understand them, we can help them with that. Because we reared their parents. They learn that stuff from us. <laughs> Grandkids need to hear that. Give some comfort. Two. Two powerful memories. I'm about through here, so bear with me. That we hope our grandchildren will cling to the rest of their lives. Long after we're gone. We hope our grandchildren will cling to the memory of our touch on their lives. I don't want them to remember me as a preacher. I don't want them to remember their, their grandmother as a very efficient a leader of insight for living. I want them to remember that we were fun to be with. That I threw their grandmother in the swimming pool and lived to tell the story. Throwing her in the pool is no big deal. Living to tell the story is a big deal. I want them to remember that we were generous. So they will be generous. And we were forgiving. So they will be forgiving. And then we had hearts of compassion. Because it is so lacking today. And they have hearts of compassion. I want them to remember that we helped turn their sights from the horizontal and the temporal to the vertical and the eternal. I hope our grandchildren will cling to the memory of our touch in their lives. Second, we hope our grandchildren will cling to the memory of our faithfulness to the Lord. May they learn from us that following Christ is worth it all. That there's no sacrifice in it. Giving up your will is, is, is rule one in God's family. As they witness our faith from one year to the next, as they watch us trust God through heartbreaks and hurts and disappointments, as they watch us trust in God through all of that, our hope is that it will cement their hearts, glue their hearts to the living Christ so that they walk with him with their heads held up high. Finally, one. 
I have one memorable piece of advice to pass on to every grandparent here. Think seriously about your grandparenting legacy. Please. It's more important than your reputation. It's more important than whatever position you hold. It's more important than whatever salary you make. It's more important than, than uh, what other people think of you. Think seriously about your grandparenting legacy. Webster defines legacy as something handed down from an ancestor or from the past. Handed down. That's what's going to be there when we're gone. It'll last far longer than any possession we owned, any honor we won, or any achievement we accomplished. One of the special joys that has been Cynthia's and mine through these years of conference ministry and tours and, and ministry cruises and different kinds of things like that is to have the pleasure of meeting people like some you've met tonight, David Pendleton and Buddy and Jeff, and among them Steve Green, whom I love with an enormous amount of love and respect. I happen to know Steve's background because he shared it with me. Most of you have no idea what Steve has come out of. We always look forward to Steve singing because of two songs. And he knows by now, I always request them. One, his a cappella work of a mighty fortress is our God. And the other is his own composition, which ties into the perpetual relay of truth. Find us faithful. Listen to the familiar words Steve wrote. And imagining him with that wonderful tenor voice singing them. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road. And those who've gone before us line the way. Cheering on the faithful. Encouraging the weary. Their lives a stirring testament. To God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race, not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind. Let's read it, our grandchildren. Sift through all we've left behind. May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. 
May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May all who come behind us find us faithful. Thank you. Wow, that was a, a fantastic close to uh, that message. You know, we had Steve Green come and be part of the Legacy Grandparenting Summit the next year, and uh, he sang that song, Find His Faithful, Powerful. Larry, that was uh, the opening night for our first conference. Uh, pretty pretty fantastic, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I've told people, you know, we expected uh, Chuck to speak for – 40 minutes and he spoke for an hour and 40 minutes <laughs> threw the schedule all off. No, you remember that the schedule was oh, yeah. all messed up, but yeah, you know what? nobody, it, nobody cared. It was just nobody so cared. captivating. Yeah, it was, it, really it was, was a God moment for certain. And it was also, you know, I've, I've always had so much respect for Chuck Swindoll and it was also the blessing of someone that I highly, highly regarded on our fledgling ministry. You know, we had just started that conference. And I mean, I mean, Wayne and John, I remember in that very first meeting in January of 2016, when we said, let's do a conference and in a national conference. And we had like seven months to go and we pulled it off and God, God greatly blessed. And it was because of the two of you and your skill sets and connections and everything we were able to do it. But it, but it also was very, very significant. In fact, Wayne, uh, let me just add this, you know, Chuck wasn't the only nationally known speaker that we had there. We had Jay Kessler and, and, um, we had uh, Josh McDowell there. In fact, um, the very next morning, and I don't know if you know this, um, the next morning after the conference, we were staying at the same hotel with Dr. Kessler and and uh, Josh McDowell. And I walked down to eat breakfast, and here were these two pillars of Christianity sitting, having breakfast together in a hotel. And I walked up to them, and, and they said, Larry, this is historic. And Dr. Kessler said to me, he said, Larry, I believe this is the start of a national movement. And that night when Chuck spoke, it was the start of a national movement, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 No, no question about it. And uh, yeah, to get uh, that kind of affirmation from, uh, uh, you know, such respected leaders was uh, really encouraging. Uh, yeah you know, as we were starting this whole thing, you know, what I really appreciated about, uh, about Chuck's message that night and what happened because his family shared a lot of very personal mm -hmm. and some very painful, uh, stuff from their own family that I don't think probably had ever been shared before, you know, not on a, on a stage like this and, uh, Chuck's openness, his transparency, honesty that came out that night, I think really just kind of opened up the floodgates uh, at the conference uh, for everybody else who was there to just uh, uh, share 
stuff with each other and to uh, come alongside each other. I noticed it in the breakout sessions that followed. Uh, no longer, you know, I think grandparents themselves uh, often carry with them a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of the same kind of stuff that Chuck was talking about. And it really gave them permission to talk about it since they had talked about it on stage. And uh, that was a real gift to uh, to the conference. Well, John, I was going to uh, John, you, uh, you know, Chuck was was funny as always. You know, he said some things that were a little bit surprising. Were you, uh, you know, it, uh, you know the whole the whole uh, bit about having a crap detector built in and all of that. Um, was there anything that Chuck said that night? You know, including some of the things that weren't on that ta- portion of the tape that we just listened to that that uh, surprised you, or was that typical? That um, typical Chuck? <laughs> no surprise. Very typical. And I guess that's part of the the mystique, if you want to call it that, or the character of Chuck. He is who he is, and who you see he is is who he is. And he loves to laugh. Um, my office was, uh, he was two doors down, and he always worked with his door open. And and I would hear him laugh. Sometimes I'd have to close my door because I couldn't get anything done because he was carrying on. But it was it was just fun and friendly. Uh, he was, he was a delegator. He modeled everything he talked about. He shared the deep things of his life. I rem- remember one of his statements in staff meeting, you know, you're only as happy as your saddest child. And there were some struggles going on that I think he referred to on this podcast. But yeah, the character of him, he was a great leader. He is a great leader. And he delegated and he trusted us and he affirmed us. I'd often get a note from, I'd walk in my office at church and there'd be a note on my desk saying, hey, uh, sitting here, John, looking around, praying for you and Jackie and the boys. And you know those things. And and we all, it's funny, when Chuck left to go to Dallas to be president of um, the Dallas Theological Seminary, as we were sharing as a staff, we realized we had all kept those notes. Those were precious things. But I... Uh, I was just going to share one story that shows who he was when he talks about not being a, a respecter of persons, you know, don't be impressed with a person's position. Um, I was sitting in my office and his Helen, his administrative assistant was on the line. She said, Chuck, she was calling across the hallway, Chuck, uh, the white house is on the phone and he yelled out, well, yeah, what, uh, what do they want? Well, they wanted to know if you could be there at the white house on Thursday with the president. And he said, isn't that our staff picnic? (laughs) Now, you have to understand, our staff picnic was bring your family, bring a sandwich, we'll provide a cookie and a drink, and we'll play softball together. And he said, no, just tell them we can't. I can't do it that day. And I'll tell you, every one of us were at the staff picnic. (laughs) And to realize that he cared that much for us and respected a commitment and was faithful to it. You know, that goes a long, long way. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes through when, you know, when you listen to Chuck and uh, we talk about him like he's in the past, but he's still, still going strong from what I hear, you know, I mean, he's had, some, seven. He's had a few health issues, but uh, he's still preaching the gospel and, and uh, um, 
doing a great still, job and, there. And still laughing. <laughs> and still yeah. laughing. Yeah. Well, you know, Wayne, coming back to what you said earlier about him being so transparent, that is so critical. All three of us have learned, as well as everybody on our team, that that one of the one of the real barriers to an impactful grandparenting ministry is the fact that often we lift up the families that are that look perfect but there are no perfect families are there no and that that whole thing of him being transparent about his family like you said it gave permission to the whole group to be transparent about the hurts that they were feeling in their family and that's really what we want that kind of transparency and openness is what we want to see in our grandparenting ministry and in everything that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there uh, is going to be another uh, legacy grandparenting summit uh, this coming October, uh, God willing. Uh, we're going to have some more great speakers. People like uh, Kevin Harper will be with us. Uh, uh, Reggie Joyner, Kara Powell, Ken Davis, uh, Valerie Bell, and uh, quite a few others. We're also going to have some uh, great music from uh, Fernando Ortega, Scott Wesley Brown, and uh, one of my favorite groups, the Isaacs, are going to be with us. It's all going to be happening in Birmingham, Alabama, but it's also going to be live streamed to uh, uh, locations all over the country. And so people can attend if they want to without having to go all the way to Birmingham. That's This is our first year doing that, which is going to be, uh, I think, pretty cool. So, uh, by the way, if you'd like to hear the rest of Chuck Swindoll's message, you know, we only played just a sh short little snippet of it there. Uh, the rest of the uh, uh, recording is on the Legacy Coalition website, which features Chuck and his wife and his grandkids. Uh, just look for Summit Resources on the drop-down menu and uh, there you can download the entire message. And uh, there's lots of on other good resources. On yeah, video. You, you can on see video. it uh, on video or audio, either one. Mm -hmm. So, Larry, anything else uh, you want to tell our podcast listeners before we sign off here? Well, um, the, the conference that's coming up is a, is a different generation for the most part of grandparents. I mean, Chuck Swindoll is somebody that we hold in the highest regard, but he's a great grandparent now. And we are thankful that God is also bringing in younger national leaders that, that understand our vision and understand our mission and are joining us as well. So, yeah, we're thrilled. John Stone Street, uh, Reggie Joyner, those, uh, the, younger, the younger generation that gets how important grandparenting is in the lives of families, especially in the spiritual perpetuation of faith mm -hmm. in families. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great yeah. time. We hope that everybody that's listening will join us. Yeah, great. Well, that wraps up uh, Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition, our very first one. Join us again next time, and we're going to hear another highlight from our very first Legacy Grandparenting Summit. This is Wayne Rice, Larry Fowler, John Cologne signing off and uh, praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparents.